We are created to share ideas. We are created um, to love each other. We are created for, to have deep, meaningful friendships. At the men's uh, breakfast yesterday, we had uh, Pastor Eli from Long Beach uh, Light and Life Church, and he came and talked about, for so many men, how difficult it is to be in a meaningful relationship, that uh, it, it's... Um, that loneliness and isolation are something that men struggle with because our culture tells us that we should be independent, that we should be alone, that we can handle it. Uh, and in fact, that's, that's foreign to the Bible. The Bible doesn't believe that as, at all. As a matter of fact, when we were created by God, God creates all these different things and he says, it's good, it's good, this is good, that's good, this, you know, all these things. And then he creates humanity and he says, it's very good. And then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And that goes for women as well. It's not good for us to be alone. The problem is this. When we get together and we relate, oftentimes there's conflict. There's misunderstandings. There's uh, competing agendas. There's all these different things that uh, are, make life for us difficult. And God has us push through those things. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, and it might be my favorite one of the series. I don't know. Tomorrow, uh, next week, we're going to be talking on how to forgive. Um, so um, please be there for that, because if you're not, I'm going to be very angry. No, I'm just, uh, that was a stupid joke. Anyway, um, and so, uh, but this, this morning, what we're going to be talking about is our mouths. <laughs> yes, our mouths, our words. The Bible speaks a lot about our words and how important and how powerful they can be. How powerful they can be to bring healing and to bring blessing and to bring honor to bring glory, to bring um, uh, like a, almost like a, an ointment to a wound. The Bible also speaks about how powerful our words can be to bring destruction. I was in Oregon uh, with Lisa and the kids. We we're on vacation. We love going to places on vacation that are, have nature where we can go on hikes. And this is in a gorge in, um, in, uh, just outside of Portland. And there's, it's a series of waterfalls that you hike up to, uh, and, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. As a matter of fact, the only thing that would make this picture more beautiful would be to add my wife to it. How do you like that? See that? That's, that's two in one sermon, two compliments in one sermon. You see that? That's really nice. Yeah, yeah. Gentlemen? Okay, no. All right. Here's my son in the, in the water. But this, this place is just stunning. It's, it's, it's one of those places that when you take pictures, it just doesn't do, it doesn't do it, right? So here's a picture I took. This is of a, you walk kind of along a cliff, and, and this does, just doesn't do it justice. There's my, you can see my son in the middle there, and, uh, and you, you can see the, um, uh, the cable that goes along there, because you had to hang on, because it's like a, it's like a sheer drop, and, um, and so I, I, I'm scared of height. I'm scared of lots of things, but heights is one of them. And uh, and so you know you're spo- you hold on to the thing, and I'm just like I'm just like holding on to it like this, you know. And everyone else is like, yeah, this is fun. Wow, it's really high. I'm like, mommy, please. So 
so that doesn't do it justice. This picture doesn't do it justice of just how far down that, that was and that just that, that pool from another waterfall. And so we hiked all day long and it was just beautiful. And I, we have so many memories of that uh, gorge. Well, two years ago, there were some youths uh, that were walking th- through that gorge as well. And uh, it was a no-burn season, and one of them decided to throw a smoke bomb down into the, the gorge. And uh, so they did. And uh, there was a hiker that was walking by, and uh, her name's Liz, and she said, well, that's, that's kind of stupid, but didn't think anything of it until she started to see smoke. And more smoke, and more smoke, and more smoke. Here's a picture of that fire that began with a smoke bomb. <laughs> and uh, 20,000 acres later, in that entire gorge is just stripped and scarred and black and disgusting. This place that was so rich and so healthy and so full of life is now destroyed. This is one of the most tragic pictures of that fire where you get an idea of just the destruction and how out of control everything got so quickly. Uh, when the Bible talks about our words, our Bible, the Bible talks in terms of just how powerful one little thing can be. As a matter of fact, we're going to look in James where the Bible literally calls the mouth a fire. And you, you all have, every, almost every morning, I'm out in my front yard before it's dark, before it's light, and I build a fire. And the fire warms me, and it creates an ambiance, and I can sit and then wait till the sun comes up and watch the hummingbirds and just have my time with the Lord. That's just how, how I do it. And in that case, the fire is good. It's, it's contained. It's in a pit. It's where it's supposed to be, and it's life-giving. But a fire outside of where it's supposed to be a fire in the, in the wrong hands, a fire that is careless. If you're careless with things uh, of fire, it can be very, very uh, disturbing. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look about uh, first in Matthew where Jesus talks about our words. And what happened was um, in that day, if you were a rabbi, that would be your school. You would have your disciples, your rabbits, if you will, or whatever they're called, the up-and-coming rabbis. Uh, and so you'd have your schools of thought, and the, and the rabbis were very honored, and they would w- wear these really nice robes and all this, and they'd walk around, and, and the rabbis would recruit, they'd try to recruit into their school the best the best students, so that they could be the best rabbi school, if you will. And so this was a big deal. It was, it, it was almost like we do now with college and academia, where schools will try to recruit the smartest person, give them a scholarship, and off they go. Well, all of a sudden, Rabbi Jesus comes by, and he doesn't pick the top students. Rabbi Jesus goes down the list and goes, Who, who's getting D's and F's? Who are the kids who can't make it into rabbi school? And he gets all the way down and there's this kid named Peter. And he says, I, I want Peter to go to my rabbi school. Where's Peter? Well, he's, he's fisherman. 
You've got to go down to the docks and that where all the uneducated people are. You don't want Peter. Oh, I want Peter. Peter's great. I want, let's see, who else in there? Oh, Matthew. Uh, Matthew steals, actually. Perfect. He's awesome. He's great for my rabbi school. I'm starting up, okay? So this is what happens. And, and so what would happen is the school, the rabbi school, they, they'd walk around and the, ra- the rabbits would walk behind. And, and that's when Jesus says, follow me. What he's saying is, learn from me. Be my disciple. I'll teach you how to be me, essentially. And so what would happen is these rabbi schools would confront and the rabbis would spar theologically and verbally, and it was just this big honor. The the terminology for that society is what we would call an honor-shame society. So you never wanted to be shamed. You always wanted to be honored. And so uh, this is what happens to Jesus where we see him. A rabbi school comes in, and, and the rabbis just got a zinger for Jesus because he's catching this rabbi school filled with knuckleheads and outcasts, uh, not washing their hands before they eat. Now, I'm not talking about washing our hands like you or I would do, okay? Like, I wash my hands like 20,000 times a day. Uh, But it's not talking about that. It's not about cleanliness. It's a ceremonial washing. Because the idea, the theology behind it is, you never know if you've touched somebody unclean or someplace unclean, not germ-wise, Holiness-wise, and so you would wash your hands to make sure that when you touch that food, it, you did not eat something unclean. So they come up to Jesus and they go, hey, Jesus, uh, how come your disciples don't wash, wash their hands? And all their little rabbits were like, yeah, how come? Get them, rabbi. You got them. You know, okay. And Peter's just like, I'll pop you right in the... No, I'm just kidding. Because it's just a better school, Jesus' school. Um, and so Jesus says... So instead of answering the question, he says, um, how come, you, you hypocrite, how come you disobey the law and don't honor your mother and father? And then all of Jesus' disciples are like, ooh, boom roasted, got you. And so that's what, that's what they do. So uh, all of a sudden, now they're, they're, that rabbi school is offended, and Jesus starts talking about this, these cleanliness laws. He says, Jesus called the crowd. He's like, I want everybody to hear this, this sparring that we're going to do. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth. Yikes. Me no likey Jesus. (laughs) What comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Our words literally can be defiling. Wow. There's a book out there called The Female Brain, and it says that women speak 20,000 words to a man, man's 7,000 words. And, um, and so, uh, you know, that, that feeds the stereotype that women are, you know, Kathy Chatties. We even have a name for them, and that men are stoic and grunt and all, all this kind of stuff. And so that, those statistics have been floated around uh, constantly, except they're inaccurate. The, the actual statistics show that men and women speak about the same amount, 16,000 words a day. 16,000 opportunities for defilement. <laughs> I'm going to get at the end of this sermon, you can write it down. I'm going to teach you one trick 
on how to cut your sin down by 47.34%. I've done a study, okay? So you just hang on to that. That's going to be my gift to you. I'm going to give you this thing. We might even turn off Facebook so you had to be here to get the thing. We'll find it out, though. 16,000 opportunities to wound somebody. 16,000 opportunities to harm someone. I would venture to guess, I could be wrong, I don't think I am, that if you went back to the time you were wounded the most, it wasn't a fist fight. It was somebody's words. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of your stories. And some of you have been carrying around words that have been spoken to you for decades. I have two conversations in my life that my mind keeps going back to. That the enemy would want to define me to uh, help me feel regret or what have you. And there were, it was words. It was words. As a matter of fact, words are so effective at, 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 at wounding that, that Satan mostly, you know, you think about Satan, okay? And I know for some people in, in the, the room, you're even trying to figure out if you believe in God, let alone Satan. But just bear with me for a second and let's just say he exists. I believe he does. That's me. But here's the thing. You, you would think... That the scariest thing that Satan would use would be what? Demons, right? Like why wouldn't, like Satan would use demons or, or sorcery or something tricky or all this, you know, kind of powerful things. He's Satan. He's evil. You know, he'd use whatever. Satan's number one tool, words. Words. The Bible says he's an accuser. Think about that. Jesus, uh, Satan would Instead of using, you know, scary demons and all this kind of stuff, would just rather use accusations because you know why? They're really effective. Some of you who are sitting here today have bought into the lie that you're not worthy enough to be loved by God. That your past or what you've been into or whatever, that, that disqualifies you. That is a lie. As a matter of fact, one of Satan's um, names, that the Bible names Satan, is the father of lies. Jesus said this, when Satan speaks, he speaks lies. That's his native tongue. That's his first language, lies, okay? That's what he speaks when he speaks. He speaks lies. Now, here's the good news. God, on the other hand, is also very powerful and can use lots of things, fireballs and this and that, and he can create stuff, and Jesus healed, he did. But do you know what Jesus used the most? Words. Words. They're very, very powerful. And so he has this interaction with, the, with this rabbi uh, school and the rabbits. And then Peter says this. He says, uh, hey, can you explain the, the, that parable to us? And here's what Jesus says. Right after he says, hey, watch your words. Because I just find this hilarious. I find the Bible funny. You should read it. It's awesome. Uh, he just says, you know, hey, watch what you say. And they, Peter says, can you, can you, like, tell me about the parable? And Jesus says, are you still so dull? <laughs> That's cold, man. That is cold. Jesus is cold. But he's a teacher. You're allowed to do that. He's kind of like a coach or whatever. He says this. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? It's a little physiology thing. I can explain it later. 
But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. In the same type of discourse uh, that's recorded in the book of Luke, Jesus makes this incredible statement, and I love it, and I, I, I like this particular translation of it. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-mm-mm. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you said your most damaging thing in an argument, that came from here. There was a woman at the store, and uh, I was there, and she was talking, not, well, she was communicating with the checkout person. And she was stringing together words. I, it was actually quite creative. Uh, I would never have put those words together in that particular order, but uh, she was just going off on this checkout lady. And uh, just every name in the book, everything, and using them very creatively, like some of them would be a verb, and then she'd turn it into a noun, but it, it was all grammatically correct. It was fascinating. And so I couldn't turn away. Like, I don't know if you're anything like me, but where somebody's arguing, and, and it's like, I shouldn't look, I shouldn't look, I shouldn't look, I shouldn't look, you know, and, and then, you know, I shouldn't, and I have my phone out, and I'm like, oh, okay, if I, so she, she walks out, and I notice she's got this little three-year-old with her, and so my initial thought is, man, who does that? Who does that? All she was doing, all she was doing was sharing her heart. That's it. There was something going on in there. There was something happening. And I don't know what her story is. I don't know if she had just gotten divorced. I don't know if she had just lost, lost a loved one. I don't know if she was wondering how she was going to pay for food for her child. I don't know anything. You know why? Because I don't know her heart. I know she was sharing it though. And so here's, here's my point for this morning. If you want to control your mouth or keep your mouth in check, then you keep your heart in check. If you want to stop from saying things that are just out of you, that you would say are out of character, then you have to examine your heart. Because there's oftentimes what will happen is, I'll say something, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a child, or uh, I'll just use that example. You have a child, and so you tell that child because the child won't clean its room and you're getting frustrated, or the child won't do the, the homework, or whatever it is, and you say, Why are you so lazy? Okay? Damaging words. Don't, don't, this is not advice. Don't say that to your children. <laughs> Why are you so lazy? Now, now you, in your mind, you think, I have to communicate to this person this or else they're not going to change. But what's really happening in your heart, if you examine it, is you are scared. You're frightened. And pick, we'll pick for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe, maybe this child is the first one that has an opportunity to go to college in your whole family history. 
And so you, 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 you want them to do well in school because you know you can't afford college for them and you're scared, how are they going to make it through college? And so you say you're lazy to motivate them to, to work harder because you're afraid they won't go to college. You see, that's how it happens. Or maybe you're insecure in your heart. And so you use words to put other people down because not because you like putting people down, but you have to, it's your way of raising yourself up. That's a heart issue. If you want to keep your mouth in check, check your heart. If you wonder, why do I always say these things? Find your trigger. Find out what's going on in your heart. Are you scared? Are you anxious? Are you bitter? Are you angry? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then in Matthew 12, it says this. I just, this just, I don't even know how this works. But he says, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on that day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. (laughs) 16,000 opportunities to light somebody's life on fire. Per day. (laughs) So check out James. It says this. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at at fault. It's kind of a weird way James puts it. Again, I believe James is ADD. We can talk about that later. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. (laughs) Wow. Why? Why? Because they're able to keep their whole body in check. If you can keep your mouth in check, if you can pull that off, getting that second piece of cake is no big deal. <laughs> you, can, you have the self-control to do that. You can make it to the gym. If you can keep your mouth in check, you can pretty much do anything. Now, by the very words of James, why is that the case? Because it's hard. Because in order to keep my mouth in check, I have to keep my heart in check. And it's very hard to keep our hearts in check. Because when we have those feelings, when we have those things, when we feel overwhelmed. You ever snapped at somebody? You were probably feeling overwhelmed. That's a heart issue. You guys are like, no, I've never snapped at anybody. That's why. (laughs) What a spiritual bunch. I love you guys. He He comes with these. Uh, things, this example. When we put bits in the horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It tweets really awesome things (laughs) because it's not just the mouth your fingers do the walking too sometimes right when you send that email out that just says a zinger it gets everything out before you speak before you click send before you click post we have to find out are we setting fire or are we bringing warmth consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. So what I wanted to do was just show you, I wanted to give you a visual so that you could see um, just how impactful your mouth can be. And I hope that, this, that tomorrow, when you 
go to uh, work or school or, or, you, uh, or you go to talk to a neighbor or whatever, that you will keep this example in your mind that you've got, oops, oh, that was too much. Uh, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. Oh, man, I forgot my gloves. Sorry. We have a fireman that goes to church here. Don't worry about it. Is it stop, drop, and roll or roll, drop? No, I can't remember what it is. All right, so we got this. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. So I should have tried to light this while it was dry first to kind of show you what, what is going to happen here. Okay, actually, this is just water, okay? Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? It's like, it's like gasoline. I like blow myself up. Now, here's what I know about this wacky church, because I know you guys. The majority of you were like, light it, light it, light it, light it. Gosh. And the women were going, you idiot. This is exactly... The women were just like, here goes another one. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah. There's a man with a lighter. Hmm, what could, be, what could be safer? Okay. The reason you were going like this, ooh, oh, ah, what's going to happen? I don't think you should, did you do this at home? Like, the reason that was going on is because you know the danger. You know that. You know that you don't soak a rag in gasoline and then light it. And yet tomorrow, you'll be on the freeway talking on the cell phone. And you'll start talking about a friend, talking about your neighbor, talking about your coworker, talking about your boss. Just lighting fires, soaked in kerosene. I know you will because I will. I, we all struggle with this. If you can control your mouth, you're perfect, the Bible says. So what I need to do is control my heart and go, before I speak, before I enter into this conversation, where, where am I? Where am I? Where's my heart? Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody is at your office. And they annoy you to no end. And I, listen, I'm on your side. They are annoying. Okay, there. So you, you got it. And all of a sudden, they enter into the cubicle or the, wherever you're in or you're on a forklift or wherever you work. And they start going. It's at that time. Not when you open your mouth. It's at that time you go, man, what, what's going on in me? Why am I getting frustrated? Why am I getting angry? What's going on? Jesus was able to go through this. Why can't I? Why? My rabbi was able to be confronted. My rabbi was able to be slapped in the face. My rabbi was able to be spit on. And, and yet he did not go after it. What is it about my rabbi? What, what can I learn? How can I get my heart to be the heart of my rabbi? Before it comes out. It goes on in James. Just to drive this point home. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. And you kiss your mom with that mouth. 
I cannot believe it. We all, all of us, every single one, pastor, person who doesn't believe in God, all of us have the ability to set one little smoke bomb off because we just wanted to see it smoke. We just had to get that one last line in. I've been waiting to say this to them all week. And all of a sudden, isn't that how it happened to you? Somebody, a parent, a sibling, somebody called you fat, somebody called you lazy, somebody said you'll never amount to anything, and maybe you spent your whole life trying to prove I will amount to something, and your life is just set on fire. That's the power we have with our words. Now, here's the good news. Oh, James, this is why I think James is ADD. He keeps going on, so I'll do it too. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, This should not be. That's tough. That is strong language. But isn't it just so true? Here's the good news. Here's the good news. That same mouth that can set someone's life on fire can bring healing, can bring encouragement. The, The reverse words of saying, you know what? You're not lazy. You're not good for nothing. I love you. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're my niece. You're my nephew. How many of us, I mean, we all could raise our hands, had that teacher, that coach, that relative, that neighbor that spoke those life-giving words to you? You can do anything. You're really smart. Did you know you're really coordinated? I can't believe how coordinated you are. And it just gives life. All of us have the potential to bring healing to somebody else. Tomorrow, today, on our way out. Isn't that encouraging? Now imagine, if that's what's coming out of your mouth, guess what that shows you? That's what's in your heart. You have the heart of your rabbi who says, you know what? I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to mess this up. I'm, I'm going to say something positive. I'm going to take my smoke bomb and I'm going to put it into my pocket and wait until there's a smoke bomb place I can light that thing off on. I'll, I'll use it there. Here's a great, you can memorize this verse right now. Uh, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. <laughs> You could just stop there. <laughs> like you don't even need to memorize the next sentence. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Man, could you imagine if we, starting today, applied that? Lord, put a guard over my mouth. You know, you think about a guard, you know. Let's say you, 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 you're in a room and there's an armed guard outside. And so you go, hey, I need to use the restroom. And the guard's like, no. 
Or maybe the guard says yes, whatever. But you, every decision you need to make, every time you want to exit that room, every time you need to ask that guard. And what David is saying is, I want that guard right here. Should I say that? Should I, how should I say that? I'm in a conversation, what should I say? Now, I told you I was going to give you a tip that, uh, that can cut your sinning down by 43.86%. Ready? Be quiet. When in doubt, be quiet. I, 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 I don't think I know of a person who says, you know what? Man, I should have said something destructive, and I didn't. <laughs> or you can always say something later. You can always come back. You can always say, hey, you know what? I didn't say anything, but now that I've had time to think about it, this is what I'd like. You can always do that. But when that toothpaste comes out of the tube, it doesn't go back in again. 41.72% of the sitting will decrease if you just, when in doubt, be quiet. Say, man, I went to the guard. He didn't say I could come out. I got to stay in. 16,000 opportunities to wound, and 16,000 opportunities to heal. I want to read you something as we end. The young man who set that fire uh, was 15 years old. And uh, it was interesting, the story, when you read the story, the hiker that saw him do it, um, and then the fire began. You had to evacuate about 400 homes, and it burned 20,000 acres. uh, She came running down to tell authorities about the fire, and she said, do you know you just started a fire? And his words were, and they weren't words of, like, he said, what am I supposed to do about it now? Like, for so many of us this week, as we go into this week, If we say the wrong thing, what are you going to do about it now? And so he wrote this letter of apology. And I've read it three times. And I'm telling you, it's difficult for me to get through it. Uh, But I want you to think about this as we think about the potential destruction we have with our words. For some of us, we wished the person who told us something when we were five or seven would write us this letter. They probably don't even know they started the fire. They went on their merry way. For some of us, we might think to ourselves, you know what? I need to write a letter like this. I need to write a letter like this because I know who I wounded. I know what I said. I know I started a fire. I know I'm careless. That's what the young man says. The worship band comes back up. I want to express how sorry I am for what I did. I know a lot of people suffered because of a bad decision that I made. I'm sorry to, keep, to the first responders who risked their lives to put out the fires. I'm sorry to the hikers that were trapped. I'm sorry to the people who worried about their safety in their homes that day and for weeks afterwards. I'm truly sorry about the loss of nature that occurred because of my careless action. Every day, 
I think about this terrible decision and its awful consequences. Every time I hear people talk about the fire, I put myself down. I know I will have to live with my bad decision for the rest of my life, but I have learned from this experience and will work hard to help rebuild the community in any way that I can. I now realize how important it is to think before acting or speaking because my actions can have serious consequences. I myself love spending time in nature and now realize how much work it is to maintain the national forest so people can enjoy it. I sincerely apologize to everyone who had to deal with this fire. I cannot imagine how scary it must have been for you. I know I have to earn your forgiveness and I will work hard to do uh, so. And one day, I hope I will. Thank you for giving me the chance to speak. This has been a big learning experience for me and I take it very seriously. I apologize with all my heart to everyone in the gorge. He knew the damage that he had done. You could measure it. 20,000 acres, 400 homes evacuated. You can, you, you, there's statistics for all of it. With our mouths, we have no way to measure the damage or the healing that we can bring. All we can do is ask the Lord, Lord, set a guard over the door of my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And then speak words of healing and encouragement. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, this is very difficult. It's difficult to say the right thing. It's difficult to not want to speak revenge. It's difficult to not want to have our point made. It's difficult to not want to be understood correctly. It's difficult to not want to explain everything. It's difficult to not want to draw attention to our accomplishments. All these things we do with our mouths. And sometimes it's even difficult to bring healing. It's difficult to compliment sometimes. It's difficult to encourage. But Lord, we want clean hearts. We want hearts that are broken for the lost and broken for uh, those who are hurting and, and that are um, gracious and patient so that our words would reflect that. So Lord, I pray for us right now that you would give us that wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.